Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. Very excited to be in the studio today with Robin Reed and Eric Sperling. We have Robin Reed, who is the co-founder and principal with Influent LLC, and Eric, managing director with STN. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for having us. You came as a pair. Yes, we did. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> we do that a lot. <laughs> I love that. Well, let's let's really just jump in and talk about how you landed here today. I know that Kendra Maples with Culture Crush podcast was our great introduction, and I believe that she and Daryl, our producer, just recently went and watched an episode, a live episode of over at STN. Robin, you've been on with us before. We're uh, trying to remember which episode it was, but I think it was Arizona Technology Council. Probably one. Yeah, yes. with Steve yep. Zalstra and I. So let's start with having each of you introduce yourselves. Tell us about your role with the organization that you're representing today. And then, of course, we'll get in the backstory. I know we have a lot of ground to cover, so it'll be a fun conversation. Yep, you're, sure. Eric's pointing at you. Uh, yep, I'll go first. <laughs> uh, Robin Reed, co-founder and principal with Influent. We are a corporate consulting firm. So we do everything from executive coaching to leadership development to workforce optimization. Uh, ultimately, we layer, between my wife and I, my business partner, uh, we layer about 60 years worth of experience on top of behavioral and cognitive analytics uh, to help people bring their best self to their workplace. Excellent. I didn't realize your wife was your partner. What is her first name? Shauna. Shauna. Great. Good to know. And Predictive Index, I think, is one of the... Mm -hmm. Tools that you use. It's one of the technology platforms. The other one is called Line of Sight. So our company is actually one of 10 on the planet right now that can use both of those together. And they were intended to work together. Are you comfortable speaking to what each of them offer? Absolutely. So Line of Sight is really the segment of our business that I operate. And it focuses on strategic alignment. So we use analytics to basically assess the executive team to make sure that they're all rowing in the same direction at the same pace for the same length of time. Because we learned that the phrase rowing in the same direction doesn't mean anything if somebody stops earlier or doesn't row at the same pace, you're still off course. So we use that portion of it. Now, once we've got a company aligned with their strategy, we can use the behavioral traits of the staff and align them literally graphically on a screen with the company strategy and show you where someone fits and why their difference may be an asset to your organization and not a detriment. Okay, great intro. Thank you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so Top that. I'm Eric Sperling. I am the Managing Director Founder at STN. We are an independent media company. We've been around about 10 years now. Last four years is when we really started to grow here in the Valley because we launched our streaming network. And our mission is to create a better local media experience. You and I have talked before. We have similar missions. I think we all know there's a gap in local media, uh, a big one. And so our team at STN aims to fill that gap. We're not looking to replace local television or local news. We just... We found an avenue where leaders like Robin and Monica with Hispanic Chamber others in the Valley, those stories needed to be told and their vision needed another platform. And so STN rallies leaders together. Um, we have a streaming network that's available on the App Store or Google Play. You can download it there. All the content is also available on our website, but you'll quickly notice when you're there that every piece of content focuses on either local leadership, community growth, 
or actionable solutions. And then our goal is to really nail the model here in Arizona and then expand to other local markets like we had in, in local TV where every market had an affiliate. You'd have an NBC in LA and San Diego. We want an STN in Arizona and LA and San Diego following in the footsteps of what we created here. The traditional networks have changed, haven't they, quite a bit when it comes to some of the local programming, from what I've heard, and maybe I'm wrong, so correct me. Yes and no. Uh, one of our, our director of production, Jody Isaac, and I, we have a joke that when when we were still in local news, we'd pop in a tape from 1985, and the content hadn't changed. It was shooting, random house fire, weather, yeah, <laughs> another random story, and it was the same format. And so I think if you watch local news today, you'll see while they've tried to evolve a little bit in their delivery methods, much of the what dictates the content is if it bleeds, it leads, right. that philosophy. And unfortunately, they just can't get away from that philosophy because of the way they use to use it to attract viewers and monetize uh, the actual programming. So again, there's there's definitely a place for that in local communities, but I think the need for an STN, for a Business Radio X is is what viewers, listeners are now demanding from media professionals. Mm -hmm. You know, I would add to that, uh, and I happen to serve on an advisory board to one of the three top news affiliates. They follow the news. You know, one of the things that I always have a challenge with is that I can turn on one of three news stations between the 6 o'clock and 7.30 hour, and, and I can just catch one story. It's being told the same way on all three three networks. But they follow the story. They follow kind of the, the national rhetoric around a topic where what STN is doing is leading the story. We're finding what's good about things that are happening in the world, and we're highlighting it. You know, when, when Eric and I first start talking about the community collaborative, which now has, has truly grown into It Happens at STN, the goal was to, to talk about the good things that are happening on the topics that we're already challenged with. Because, yes, we know, um, you know, individuals experiencing homelessness is a big issue. But there's a lot of good things happening. Sustainability is a challenge, but there's a lot of good things happening. DEI, certainly a hot-button topic, but there are a lot of good things happening, and no one was telling that story. And we knew that story needed to be told. So we really kind of adopted this belief system of we're not looking for someone to do everything. We're looking for everyone to do something. Mm -hmm. And so we're really highlighting big and small the efforts that are being taken in, in, in a lot of our hot-button topics. So how did the two of you connect originally? So through Robin's work at the Black Chamber, we were just starting the initial topics and segments around local leadership. And was it you that introduced Monica to me or did Monica introduce no, you? So, to no, Jenny Poon okay. at Kahoot introduced <laughs> you to me or okay. me to you. Um, and it's one of those things where... And Robin, as he, he's admitted before, he's a high-functioning introvert, so... <laughs> I think right when he showed up at the studio, we wanted to do, um, you know, similar to this. We wanted, It was called our Arizona Achievers segment. It's uh, about a 15, 20-minute interview with local leaders that are creating change in our community. And you have those magic moments where, you know, you sit down with somebody and the introvert in me came out and the introvert in him, and we just bonded and immediately started talking about less about the studio and the segments, but more about problem solving as a whole and where our influences can potentially collaborate and combine. And before you know it, we're off and running on, you know, okay, I'll email you tomorrow. Let me call you tomorrow. And 
we just started building and growing together. And it was something that it wasn't intentional, <laughs> but I think once we met each other, we've just found those synergies and we were able to feed off each other. And as he said, we've over the last three or four years, we've interviewed over a hundred local leaders in the DEI space. Companies ranging from, you know, Southwest to Sephora to all of our local ones here as well, but really learning where those gaps are and then how we can be influential in helping those companies solve some of those challenges and situations. Well, I'll tell you something that I, I found. This is really important to me because it shows how what we've done has really matured. When we first started, our biggest challenge was getting guests on the show. Mm -hmm. They were so preconditioned to believe that if they were being brought on to talk about a difficult topic, it was a trap. And we really just drilled into them, no, this show is about positives. There's, we don't we talk about negative topics, but in a positive, uh, forward-moving way. And so we went from not getting anyone to be able to come on to creating a waiting list okay. for people mm -hmm. to come on asking to, in our very last episode, we had the governor of Arizona on our show. To me, that mm -hmm. is that is such a testament to, to Eric, to the STN network, and to the incredible staff of people. I mean, unbelievable staff of people. They have become more than friends, their family, but I've never seen a group of people so cohesive in the delivery of excellence in the work they do. It is a joy to go there every time. I heard that particular episode was fantastic. Uh, my team got to be there, which we're so appreciative of. Kind of describe for our listeners and viewers, obviously this is set up like a radio studio and we kind of casually record it via mm -hmm. video as well for LinkedIn and YouTube. Yours is more of a I'm going to use the word TV production yeah. studio with always a live audience. So we didn't have a live audience for the first three years. Obviously, we were trying to do this during the pandemic with the intention of hopefully one day creating that live audience experience. So, yes, it is. And Robin alluded to the team. A lot of us are former local TV people and they are superstars. They're former local TV superstars. And we were talking about that. If it bleeds, it leads philosophy for a while. There are so many talented people in local newsrooms and a lot of talented people sometimes got into it thinking, okay, you're into it two or three years. You're like, this isn't really why I got into this business. Like, how do I use my talents, my skills, my passion in a different way? And so STN has sort of become that home for extremely talented local journalists, broadcast professionals. So it is built like a TV studio. It's it's better than some of the initial TV studios that I ever worked at coming up through my career. So that's exciting to see when you walk in, you go, wow, we built this. But then adding the live studio audience component just was a game changer for us because we were able to be intentional about who we wanted in the audience. And we've been talking about this. Sure, there are some competitive dynamics with the organizations that, yeah, but to bring them together, you go from competitive dynamics to collaborative solutions. And I'll use, you know, Amy and Jackson as examples. You know, Amy is the, is the CEO at Human Services Campus and Jackson Fonder is the CEO over at UMOM. They both compete for funding. They both compete in different levels and different arenas for sponsorships. And, but here they are coming together on one stage in one community. And now they're bringing the, the, the fight against homelessness to a much bigger audience and they're showing that they can rally together and they're not, we always say operating in silos, but they're not operating in a silo anymore. And so being intentional with that studio audience saying, hey, if, if you're part of this willing, this coalition of the willing to come and join the fight against homelessness or help us put DEI into more of our businesses and nonprofits, we want you in the audience because we know you're going to have that representation to go back on Monday or Tuesday and say, okay, 
What do I tell my 10,000 employees? How do we incorporate this into our plans? And that's what the magic, I think, of the studio audience has brought. And then you're also a, a leader who can make decisions, have decision-making power, exactly. and also be bold enough, I think, in your leadership that at the end of a segment, I'm guessing, because I've never been there, but can walk up to someone like you or some or the governor and introduce yourself and make that magic happen and that collaboration happen. We see it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, can, I can tell you, number, number one, and I hope no one from the fire department is listening, but we get to standing room only in this show. I mean, we have people packed in, but I've started to watch and notice that people are having these wonderful, authentic, organic conversations with people that they couldn't get on right. the phone if they tried. Mm -hmm. But when you come into this studio, it, the environment is so welcoming that there is no status in there. Everybody is, is a wonderful equal, and we have these thorough conversations where people will tell me, oh, I met so-and-so and we're going to work together. Or I can't believe this person was here. I had a great conversation. You know, they're really nice. Like most people are really nice. <laughs> you just don't know it because you only see them through that professional lens. But it's become a great place just to give you some idea. Uh, and we are on hiatus through the summer. Right. But to give you some idea, we actually invite people there at 3 p.m. from 3 to 4 it's networking. We have food, we have beverage, we have a DJ, and oh, it is fun. it is packed. <laughs> it is a blast. At four o'clock, we start recording. We record several segments of each of the shows, and then from that's from four to five, and then from five to six. I won't tell them the secret part afterwards, but from five to six, people kind of network on their way out the door. Yeah. So it's a three-hour investment of time. Uh, it goes by in the blink of an eye, and not only do people always come back but they always bring mm -hmm. someone the so next good. time. And it's invitation only the audience as well as, of course, the panel. Uh, Correct. Yeah. And how do you come up with the ideas for the segment? They, I would imagine now that you've been doing this for so long, I know with us, where it's like, yeah. oh, you just, you just mentioned four or five different organizations and or leaders that are an active part of a solution. We want to then build a, a show around that. Is that kind of how it works for you yeah, as well? Yeah, and the show is funded and grown by our partners. So we have many community partners, and I mentioned, you know, like a Jackson and an Amy at UMOM and Human Services Campus. We have business partners as well who are dedicated and aligned with these missions. I think Robin and I talk about this all the time. We're not going to let anybody just slap their name on something because they want to be associated with some corporate social responsibility effort. So there's a process, and we will interview potential sponsors, potential partners, find out really what their impact in the community is and see if there's alignment. And so that helps us dictate what some of the content is going to be. And then each and every month, we will have multiple pre-production meetings with our show's producing partners like Robin and Monica for talking about DEI, Amy and Jackson for talking about homeless and housing, Lloyd and Stephanie on the mentorship thing, so that it's the community leaders who are on the ground trying to solve these issues that are now coming to us and reporting, okay, here's what's going on, here's what's going on in the community, here's what I think our next topics should be, and who can we involve that can at least, as you said, we can put out a call to action, and we know the audience is somebody that has the influence to create They're that. They're well-positioned for that. Well-positioned. And they want to. I think that's the other piece mm -hmm. that we talked even before air. Right. We are collectively seeing, the three of us anyway, in the work that we're doing, more and more people are saying, and you said it to me before when I went on air, how can I help you? Yep. What do I need to do? Yeah, right? That's yep. exactly. always, always leading with that. I, I love it. 
me see if I have any other questions around the studio piece of it. If, if one of our listeners or viewers are already curious, which I'm sure they are, and if they haven't already Googled STN, mm -hmm. how would you suggest that they learn more information? Where do they find you? And then what is the step if they either want to become a panelist or have their own show, be a sponsor? What, what does it look like for I them? I think like most or our website's usually the first place to go. Okay. Um, there's an email address on there, info if, if at stntv.com. If you're interested in attending a show, um, just let us know who you are and where your alignment would be. Again, we're looking in the spaces of DEI, homeless and housing, mentorship and belonging, sustainability. Um, so if you're interested in making a difference in one of those areas, absolutely, that's first step is come to a show. Um, and then if you just want a private studio tour, you're interested in becoming... We have some limited space available for season two partnerships. So if you're interested in becoming a partner, um, that's also another avenue for you as well. I can't wait to come yeah. check it out. Yeah, you got to come. So I don't know show. if you gave the website, but it's stntv.com. Great. Um, I encourage you to look back at our early episodes. <laughs> no, don't lab. look back. Just see how, how we've grown because we never slowed down. We did this all through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've touched on really challenging topics, and it's been a lot of fun. And I know Eric won't say this, but he's also a full-service production studio. <laughs> so if you run organizations, if you run organizations, and you don't know, or you don't have the facility, or you don't know how to produce something, I'm telling you, I'll say it again, but his staff top -notch. is top-notch. They produce incredible work. So yeah, in addition to all of the stuff that you see on stntv.com and the app, we work with a lot of business and nonprofits to help them with their storytelling content. And so our team will go out and help create some of those stories that you either see at, you know, galas or on their website or on their social media. Um, they, there usually has to be some alignment with community growth. I think that's where we we really leverage our experience in the community is making sure we can help tell those stories. We're not like a trip, typical production company well, where we're going to sit down with a, a script or a sheet that you provided and we want to help you tell that story. Yeah, we don't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> I would be in big trouble if someone yeah. had me a script and they needed me to say it word for yeah. word. I would be in big trouble. Not our stare style. at the camera just... Oh, oh. <laughs> are you originally from the Bay Area or did you were assigned there? So I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm where? originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I grew up in San Jose, California. That's where I went to high school. San Mateo for me. Okay. I grew up in Belmont Heights. I played junior college football at West Valley College. We had one game in San Mateo and yeah. it did not go well for us. <laughs> and I'm originally from Oakland and spent, worked in Daly City. Spent many, many years doing business in and around San Mateo. So yeah. we are all from the Bay. And you've been here how long? 24 years. Yeah. I was here in 79. So mm. technically I grew up in the Bay Area, but mm. then my dad moved us out here before mm. I started high school. So, <laughs> so if someone asks you, where's, where's your hometown? What do you say? Born in San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. And yeah. then grew up in and raised my own kids here in Arizona, okay. East Valley that specifically. Works. Well yeah. said. Is that okay? Yeah. Tempe, actually. Yeah. I'm a McClintock <laughs> high grad, so there we go. Good. Yeah, I had seen that on on your uh, bio, and I was curious as to kind of where you yeah you cut your TV chops. And I think we've uh, we bonded over that. I think you know, and Robin always alludes to this, like different parts of the country have different challenges, and there are, and being from the Bay Area, I think it's such a diverse community and. So many great things are happening, and they also face so many different challenges. But to go from like a Bay Area to Arizona, that's a big shift. Yeah. <laughs> and see, and look at right, like he exactly. We talk about this, like that's a major shift in the way certain thing businesses are run, the way people approach community, and so I think what I love is, and I think this this stat is out there: over seventy percent of adults are not from 
Phoenix. So we, 70%? I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, don't I, think I think I right. either saw that or heard <laughs> that somewhere. Um, but that gives us, us an opportunity, I think, to take these lived experiences and say, okay, we can bring a little bit about what either worked in the Bay Area or this community or that community and apply that to, to what's going on here in Arizona. With a lot of the leaders that I've had an opportunity to connect with here at the studio for the last six years, I think some of that we have come into the state of Arizona, not necessarily been born and raised. People had lent that to us not knowing who we are as a business community. Like, what do we hang our hat on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, early days of the studio, six years ago, that was one of those questions that a lot of our hosts would ask their guests. So what do you think Arizona should be known for? I've seen that shift now that it's still or more loudly is around collaboration. It's more loudly around being inclusive. It's also around being creative and innovative. What do you, what do you guys see when it's you're having question. these conversations? You know, I, I agree, number one, that it's around collaboration. I think that, um, I think the world in general is shifting away from everything being competitive. You know, when you're, when you truly are living in an abundance mindset, you understand you don't have to compete with anyone for anything. There's plenty mm -hmm. available for everyone. So I think that we can be recognized for being a very collaborative state. Um, and I've had this conversation with Mayor Gallego. I've had this conversation with Governor Hobbs. I had the same conversation with our previous Governor uh, Ducey. We have an opportunity to also be the blueprint for how you build a fast-growing metro area. No other, no other state or metro area is growing the way we are. We are increasing our diversity, and we can use that to become the model for how you grow a state that will create legacies for all of these elected officials and will leave a lasting impact on Arizona that you won't be able to to tear down. So that's what I hope we're, we're working towards. I've, I've never heard it articulated that like that before. I love hearing that. It's very synonymous with what I, again, hear our, our guests talk and hosts talk about. And it is this collaboration and this connectedness between our legislatures, our government officials, higher education, our big enterprise leaders, small mom and pop shops. Would you agree? I mean, it really is this big, beautiful melting pot. Yeah, I, can't, I was going to just, that was fantastic. Yeah, as well. I know. Were we recording that? I was just going to say, hopefully we got that down. <laughs> that was, That's the idea. Well, and, and I do want to credit, we, we have so many wonderful elected officials. So I mentioned a few, but, you know, Scottsdale mayor, Tempe mayor, all of the economic development departments in the Valley, they're really embracing this in the work they're doing every day. Um, so that's why I feel so optimistic that we can become that blueprint. I love it. Yeah, I hear organizations say that frequently about their own businesses and entities and wanting to take them out to other states and other areas of Arizona. Why not be a model as a state for other places? So that's great. Let's talk a little bit about workforce development um, as an executive leader and coach, consultant, all of the above, and then the work that you're doing, Eric, do you, do you consult as well in that space or is do you really stay and play in the area that we've already described I as it relates to just SGN? when you grow a team and you lead a team, that's just naturally going to happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be more than open. I'd love to hear Robin's thoughts, but contribute to that conversation. And jump in when it comes to workforce development too, Absolutely. because clearly you and I have had, I'm sure, experiences yes. when watching this shift and change. What would you say uh, is happening with work workforce development and, and where are we headed? Well, I'm excited about where we're headed and where I believe we're headed is a place with there, where there's a little more balance between the employer and the employee. Uh, I think that we were in a, a, a prior to the pandemic, 
we were in a place where the employer held all the cards and only the ones that dealt them out equitably succeeded. What happened was the pandemic hit and employees had leverage because as we saw throughout the pandemic, businesses weren't losing in productivity or revenue. So it killed the argument of you need to come in and sit at that desk for this many hours in order to justify your contribution to this organization. And when employees realized that, they, they, their voice came out. Why do I need to be in the office? And we've worked with companies that, where the boss has said straight up, you know what, I'm just more comfortable with that. And I challenge him as a consultant to say, is your comfort more important than revenue and profits and employee happiness? Because you're going to lose the employee. So will you be more comfortable with an understaffed organization? But I think where we're moving to is this wonderful place of balance where there will be some that are fully remote, some that are hybrid, and some that work uh, in the office. But in the work that we do, we kind of show you which of those employees through their behavioral traits are going to fit best in, in each of those situations. That has to be eye-opening for your leaders. <laughs> it's interesting because when we show a leader and that employee their behavioral profile, we have so many leaders say, oh, now I get I, it. Right? Now I, understand. I get it. They, this person receives information this way. I was talking to them the way I receive information, which is what most of us do, right? Um, when you think of it as a language, I speak in the language that I think everyone understands because it's the language I speak, but it may not be the language everyone understands best. Um, our, our name, Influent, came from employee-employer fluency. We help with the conversation so that you understand each other better because when you're communicating with someone in a way that they are receiving information, you get far more engagement, quite a bit more discretionary effort. So for me, for example, I'm 30,000 foot view. Give me verbs and nouns. Give me the bullet points. If I have questions, I'll ask. If you get too far into the details before I know what you're talking about, I check out on you. My wife, my business partner, her communication style is the opposite. The details matter to her. She really embraces the detail. They give her a feel for what the conversation is about, and that's how she gets engaged. So you can imagine when she and I talk, sometimes we have to remind each other. So for her, she'll say, I need more detail. And for me, I say verbs and nouns. <laughs> and, and it frustrates her, but we found that we communicate far better when we understand that about each other. Now take that into an organization that has 100 employees and understand that that manager you don't like, you don't really dislike them. They're just not communicating with you in a way that you resonate with, or you're not communicating with them in a way that resonates with them. And so we, we bundle that together and call it conflict when it isn't. It's just miscommunication. How long do you work with organizations or does that vary? varies on the organization and the scope of work they want. We have clients that we've worked with for two years because their goal are, is, is bigger. Uh, we have others that have kind of taken the work we do piecemeal. So they start in one area, and when that works, they go to the next, and when that works, they go to the next. We've come into organizations where all we do is coach the executives and we leave. We've done weekend you know, board, board development seminars and never talk to them again. Although, interestingly, they call us and just say, just so you know, we're still using what you taught us and it works. So good. I, yeah, it sounds like a lot of different entry points depending on where the demand is. Absolutely. And uh, like I asked Eric, how do people find out about you and what's the best place to, you know, is it a discovery call? 
how can an executive director or leader come and say, hey, we, we think you might be a good fit for us? Absolutely. So our website is mfluent.com, E-M-F-L-U-E-N-T. But I want to be clear, when we started our company, my wife and I agreed, we wanted to work with mission-driven organizations. That doesn't mean you can't be excited about generating high revenue and high profits, but if the only purpose of your organization is to make money, you're probably not going to connect well with what we do. If you don't believe that the people inside your organization are the key to your success, the work we do will not will not hit home for you. Mm-hmm. So we really make sure that that at the time they engage us, they are a people-centric organization. Which is again goes back to STN. And right? I want to say, you know, and and Robin's wife Shauna is brilliant too. And when you spend 10 to 15 minutes, you know, we're talking about discovery or, or whatever the process is with Robin and Influent. The level of, you said detail, but the level of detail you are able to extract from somebody in the first 10 to 15 minutes is incredible. And you get this feeling of, okay, this isn't enough time. I want to spend four more hours with him. Because it's probably a good gauge for this. Is, this would be a great partnership. Exactly. Yeah. His ability to not, you know, he's not one of those guys who's going to come in and talk about himself and his organization. He's just going to get right down to your needs, your goals. And I'm telling you, within 15 minutes, you're blown away and you want you want more. And with both of them, Robin and Shauna. <laughs> What's next for you in, I'm going to use the term Arizona leadership. We mentioned the Black Chamber. You're involved with STN. You're having these conversations. You're, you've got your own practice. When you look ahead for even 2024. I think big. The change I want to make, I need it to be lasting change. I want to see Arizona become that blueprint as we talk about things like DEI. Equally important, I want to see STN and it and our show become regional and then national. I want it to become the blueprint for how you heal cities, mm. how you bring people together, how you get them to, to connect to something bigger than the last episode of Fox or CNN. You know, I guarantee that in our audience, we have all sides of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. And none of that comes up in our show because our show isn't intended to have that volatility to it. It isn't to be opinionated about an elected official or anything. It's about how are we going to use all of our brain power to solve a challenge facing our entire area. For me, for 2024, I want to see that it happens at STN becomes extremely well-funded so we can take this work and really expand upon it. We're doing something different, better, and very powerful. And beautiful. And it's inc- it's yeah. incredibly important that this not only continue, but it that it grow. It's an incredible vehicle is what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the way that you mentioned that it's it's non-political, and yet I'm sure you're intentional about bringing people into the audience that might represent kind of different sides. Absolutely. How refreshing is that when social media in particular and the maybe the news that we're choosing to listen to, right? When we tell Google or LinkedIn and Facebook or whatever it is, what we want, we're going to keep getting more and more mm-hmm. of that, right? So then we end up in that silo. That that contributes to the silo because Absolutely. the more I say what I like and want, the more it's going to feed me just that. And then either one of you, if you're listening in, to a different side of things, of course, that's all you're being fed. Mm-hmm. And then we sit down over a coffee uh, out in the backyard, or we we meet each other in the in a by a 
the water cooler at work and we're not having those connections anymore and we're disagreeing and we don't even know why. We don't even understand anymore. So it's great that you're doing what you're doing and the way in which you're doing it. It's probably one of the things I was saying this to Eric. So as we as we filmed our last episode of the season, I pulled Eric aside and I said, you know, there are there are fewer things in my life that I am as proud of as my contribution. And I told him my so my gauge of uh, when I do things is would my mother be proud of this? And my mother would be so proud of the work product that comes out of this show. She'd be proud of the fact that I aligned with people that allowed me to participate and contribute to something like this. That, that to me, says it all. That's when I know I'm doing the right thing. And then you can lay your, ne- your head down on the pillow at night. Mm-hmm. And if thank- I weren't an insomniac. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, is that going on too? Oh, since I was 10 years <laughs> old. Oh, gosh. And for you, what is it for you when you, you know you've had a good day when? Oh, man. Good question. They're all good days. Uh, and, you, you know, you talked about some of the, the work that you do too. And I think it's important for, for everyone when you get to this point of either leadership or in your professional or personal life that you, you don't have bad days. Like, yes, you have bad moments, you have bad hours, but at some point you have the tools, the internal emotional tools to, to at the end of the day say, man, I had, I had a good day. And we are all going to experience tragedy. We're all going to experience trauma. Bad things are going to happen. But if you carry that with you, you know, who, who does that help? And so I think for me, every day is a good day. Where I struggle with is, you know, what Robin just said, is sometimes when you're in it, you need a Robin to pull you out of and say, look around, look at, look at what's happening. Because you're always so focused on achieving and striving and getting to the next phase. <laughs> you don't sit there and just go, okay, wow, this is something incredible that we've all done together and how far we've come. And you know, I've told this, like, we, STN, we built it from nothing. It was, didn't exist. It was one camera and one microphone. And, you know, I thanked the last episode, Rachel Andrews, our director of operations, Jody Isaac, our director of production. And, you know, they built the thing brick by brick. And another thing that Robin knows about me is I'm a Motown nut. Barry Gordy is my idol. The way that Motown was built and the business that it was, and then the social impact it had. I think it's the greatest story of entrepreneurship out there. But you're talking about developing and growing a business, and we were talking about this earlier in this segment, is they built Motown not around, they, uh, around the, the person, not the structure. They didn't, And we did that as 10. Like, we didn't have, all right, we have a director of production opening, Jody, come join it, and this is your role. No, we used his skill set and built a department around him. Same with Rachel. We built, used her skill set and we built around that, not saying you're going to do this and this is how we're going to grow. And I think that's kind of the magic behind STN is being able to find all these talented people and not put them into a certain box, but instead leverage their skills and their passion uh, to help us all grow. And then, you know, what makes you, you know, good days is just watching all of them thrive. You know, when you... You grow and you build a team, and man, they have some good days. They have some bad days, but to see what they've been able to do and produce, that those are those are great days. And you mentioned the second season that will begin in September. Yes. Okay, and you have a little bit of room left for a couple additional shows. So you and Monica both co-host. Am I understanding this right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, the um, kind of DEI 
portion of portion it. Portion yep. of mm-hmm. it. And then you mentioned a couple other hosts for other portions mm-hmm. of it. Is there a specific area you're looking for? Or could come someone come to you with an idea and say, this is what we're thinking? Does it resonate? So, we, yeah, we have a few slots open in each one of those segments. So, DEI. And what we're seeing is heavy interest from, as Robin said, you know, the the financial industry in our community. In homeless and housing, it's usually the ones that are doing the work in that space. And then mentorship, we have so many great uh, mentorship organizations here in the Valley. Every, you know, we have Boys and Girls Club, New Pathways for Youth, uh, Girl Scouts, and all of them coming together. So if you're in one of those spaces, I think that is what, and you're looking for that, that way to, okay, I either want to elevate my my organization, or I really think we can be um, a key component to transforming our mission, you know, using the community as a whole. Like, boy, wouldn't it be great to partner with Girl Scouts and New Pathways if you haven't already yet? And that's what we provide is sort of that cohesive point for them. The melting pot. Yes. Yes, good. (laughs) Again, removing the competitive dynamics and instead saying you guys are all focused on the same community issue. How do we collaborate on solutions? And they do that. Yes. Yeah. Curious about um, segments on education. Mm-hmm. K, I yep. mean, that mentorship in a sense, right? But K 12, really, yep. especially here in Arizona. We, I think sometimes we have a little arm limping along when mm-hmm. it comes to education, said the former educator and assistant principal. Uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to plugging so in. So, Lloyd Hopkins, more. Million Dollar yes. Teacher Project, and then Stephanie Parr at All in Education. Okay. They are the producing partners of In so the good. Room. And exactly what you were just talking about. There are so many things that, yes, need to be done at the policy level, but there are also some things we can accomplish at the community and business level mm-hmm. that Lloyd and Stephanie have really rallied um, the community to say, hey, here's what we need to advance here. We realize this might not be something we can change systems-wise right now, but urgently we need it. Um, So I think it's great to have that mix of leaders where you can really look at something like education, say, what can we solve right now? And then what do we need to to be working on big picture? Mm -hmm. What have I not thought to ask either of you that you want to make sure our viewers and listeners are aware of about your organizations and you as professionals? I think before I answer that, I'll tell you a little bit more about the show and why why what we do is important. The supporters of our show and, and the guests on our show, our intention from the beginning was to show that organizations have a soul. They are more than what they do or what they sell. APS, I believe, was one of the first ones on. Cox Communications, phenomenal organization, was one of the first ones on. And, and we wanted people to understand that's more than just the company that makes your television come on or the lights come on, there are human beings inside these organizations and it's the culture they build inside that you never see. You think APS is just a company that makes the lights come on and then they send you a bill. <laughs> but inside that organization, there are incredible human beings. We had PetSmart on mm-hmm. about two episodes ago. If you ever get a chance to go by their headquarters, you'll feel it the minute you open the door. I mean, beyond the fact that every employee gets to bring their up their pet to work, but they, they have a culture that is so strong that it dictates how the executives lead the organization. If you don't adopt and adapt to a very strong, positive culture, you won't fit in the executive team at PetSmart. And they've proven this over and over. So we want people to see this so that when you're making that choice as a customer of where to spend your dollar, we want you to have a little bit 
another arrow in your quiver as to this is why you choose this company versus that one. It, it, that wasn't the original intention. I'll tell you just this really quick example, but I went into uh, a PetSmart. I have two wonderful dogs. I went into a PetSmart and the young man uh, at the register had, he was tattooed from his fingertips to his forehead. Just, and we've all been in that company where somebody had bandages over tattoos because the company wouldn't allow it. And I said, you know, do they, do, do they care? Does the co company care? He goes, oh God, no. They care if we're good to animals. They care if we're good to each other. They care, care if we're good to our customers. If those three are happening, what we look like when we're doing it is irrelevant to them. Well, more importantly, that's a powerful statement in and of itself. But when the company culture has driven all the way down to the frontline worker that's customer facing, you've done it right. That's how it should be. Your, the values of your organization should be visible everywhere in the organization. And comfortably articulated, as this Absolutely. individual did back for you. Like, Absolutely. Really just, no, of course they don't care. And, and here's why. Here's what, I, here's what I'm focused on doing. Exactly. Perfect. Great example. Uh, I serve on the Treasures for Teachers board and have for, oh gosh, I think it's almost eight years. And we just recently having our, started having our meetings at SRP, and we're mm -hmm. very fortunate to have a representative both from SRP and APS that serve on the board. And boy, are they the givers. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we're looking for a truck or we have a need or anything, those leaders then go back to their team and the whole team rallies around what they're doing to help treasure for, Treasures for Teachers. And they are so invested in the community. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I, I, we've interviewed PetSmart a handful of times. I think we're very fortunate, again, to all of our points throughout our segment that we are here in Arizona working with organizations who are making a difference because they care about our community they care about their employees, all of the stakeholders, and we want to see people do better. And when we do better for each other, then obviously other people can do better for whoever they're in front of. Yeah. How about you? Anything else that I haven't thought to ask? I mean, now that we're talking about, you know, the the advantages of having great leaders inside an organization like PetSmart or APS or SRP, in my background in news, we never had anything like company culture. <laughs> we never had mission statements, which, you know, now that I'm, I've been out of local news for over 10 years, like that's mind-blowing to me that we didn't adopt any of these things that are creating conscious businesses for our, you know, in our own newsrooms. And now that I'm out, you can really see the the, the power of, man, that's, how many employees is that for PetSmart? That's 60 some thousand employees. And if, you know, Robin and myself and you, we can have some of these conversations and realize how many people that's going to impact when we take some of these, what we've talked about, and they go back to their, their organizations. Like, that's a massive ripple effect. And so I love the ability to, you know, this is Business Radio X. I don't, I didn't understand, and maybe was a little naive to it, the influence that businesses have, not just on revenue in our community, but all of the social implications of, of educating some of these leaders and getting to their teams and just watching that wave of impact, knowing, okay, if we get, if we get the top, we're going we're gonna to get 50,000, 60,000 people and they're going to talk to their families. They're going to talk to their communities. So just the power of talking to the business community, I think, was something I was so naive to coming into it and then realizing the opportunity that we all have, that businesses have. And through the stories. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've got, yeah, they've got to be authentic stories that resonate. Yeah. And, and I think they, they just do because they're real and they're authentic and, and people, it makes a difference for Stories people. give you the buy-in. Like of you course. can have great, the greatest strategy out there, but if you don't have the buy-in, it's not going to do anything. Stories allow you 
to get the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Wow. I thought of one other question for you, if I may. Talk to me or talk to us about um, how often you find yourself helping teams develop stronger, not only communication, but also for their own personal and professional development. Is that is that kind of weaved together? Absolutely. Uh, so in the work that we do, the first thing that happens is we do a behavioral assessment. Uh, my wife, Shauna, will then give you a very detailed readback. We've had we had one gentleman say, this is witchcraft. You couldn't know me that well. But again, the science is, is proven. Um, uh, we also have a lot of people say, hey, can I do this with my spouse? It wasn't intended as a tool to help marriages, but it works as one. I know because we use it. We use it to understand each other's communication style. But as it relates to teams... You know, if you have an organization where everything's weighted in one direction, uh, and the picture I draw is if you got if you're really sales driven as an organization, well then salespeople are their own unique breed, and we call them the balloon, right? They they just want to go flying away. Well, you still need a string to hold the balloon balloon down, and you need a rock to tie the string around. You need that in every organization, and we show you who those people are within the organization. And we then explain to you why it's so important for you to appreciate that that person is your offset. So if you have a sales organization, but they don't, they have, they're very weak on operations and they're very weak on process and procedure, then what you have is a lot of sales with invoices that don't come back to the office or the accounting department can do the books, right? So we show you how to put all of those together and how to value each person additionally. And I'll tell you this story because this is probably one of my one of my favorite in terms of how what we do helps. I am extremely fortunate to serve on the board of directors for Treasure House, which is an organization that, that provides independent living opportunities for individuals with uh, intellectual and developmental disorders. It's uh, Kurt and Brenda Warner's nonprofit. They were having a devil of a time finding a chef. They had, they could hire him easily. It's a, it's a cognitive skill. If you know how to cook and you're qualified, you're a chef. But the turnover was, was significant. They used us to create a job target, to describe the person, not the task. What kind of person do you want? Their average tenure prior to us was maybe four to six months. I think the person we help them find through our methods, they're going on their third year with the organization. But more importantly, and I'll describe why it's different, this chef cooks for the individual seven days a week. Prior chefs would, you know, open up a can of fruit and put it on a plate, and it provided all the necessary nutrition. This chef brings the residents into the room and carves animals out of the fruit. You're getting the same nutrition, but the experience is completely different. More to the point, because the person was so connected to the mission of this incredible organization, when the pandemic hit, he had the best ideas for how to get them through the pandemic. Had nothing to do with being a chef, but he had incredible ideas on how to get this organization through the pandemic with the lowest risk to our residents. So that's what we do. We help you find that inside of a person whether they're in your organization or whether you're bringing them in from the outside, we help you find that right person for your organization. It's witchcraft. <laughs> uh, and I'm guessing that it it grows, then it becomes bigger than the individuals. And that's what Always. I hear you saying about STN. Mm-hmm. I know I've experienced that here at Business Radio X. When, when you can start with a mission and a vision, you get clear around 
what and who you want to come and be part of it. And then as leaders and founders, we can kind of sit back and start to listen to what everybody else is saying and taking their input. Everybody, you know, the cream rises to the top and then the whole thing becomes so much bigger than who we are. It's, it is. Absolutely. It's witchcraft and magic. <laughs> <laughs> magic might be a better word. <laughs> Fantastic example. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Uh, we are, I think, at the top of the hour. Daryl's nodding his head. Yes, we are. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming and being willing to share your time with us here in this little humble studio. I'm very much looking forward to becoming an audience member at some point for the next season. And if we can make any introductions for you, uh, I would love to do that. I am very excited to get to know you guys better and want to see how we can make sure that we're we're helping each other grow. Well, this has been great. We appreciate the opportunity for yeah. sure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And and we've given Monica a shout out a couple of times. We're looking forward to having her on with us. I believe she's been on with us before. I'm looking at Daryl. I can't remember if she has or not. We want to make sure that we continue to rise, vo give voice and rise to all of our community leaders who are making a, a big impact and difference. And, and so thank you, because I know you've been kind of nudging her in that direction to come spend time with us. Absolutely. And I will tell you that of, of all the things we spoke of relative to It Happens at STN, none of it's possible if Monica is not included. We just happen to be the two that are here today, but we mm -hmm. came in as a team of three uh, to create this, and she is vital to the success of this. Very good. Well, we look forward to getting to know her better as well. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneur Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.